Welcome to the Digital Customer Experience Podcast by Kiosk. I'm thrilled to bring you stories, insights, and expert opinions on the ever-evolving world of digital customer experience. Today, we have the privilege of hosting an extraordinary guest, Carlos Aith, Executive Medical Director, Cardiovascular in Novartis International Medical Affairs. With an impressive tenure of 13 years at Novartis, Carlos has not only excelled in his field, but also transformed it. He has led global teams with a visionary approach, but what sets Carlos apart is his unique blend of talents. He's not just a respected figure in the medical community, he's also a gifted storyteller and a musician. Join us as we explore the insights and experiences of a man who seamlessly bridges the worlds of medicine, leadership, and arts. Get ready to meet Carlos Aid. Welcome, Carlos. Hi. Thank you so much, Daniel, for this uh, for this introduction. Uh, you really humbled me uh, with all the, uh, the the things that you said. But I'm really happy to be here, and thank you so much for this uh, opportunity to to share and to have a, a nice discussion with you on several topics. Lovely, lovely to have you. Uh, I'm just, you know, as I read through your intro and I was going through your profile, I just found like how fascinating background that you have. You are a musician, you are a doctor, and you are a head of, you know, executive medical director of the global team. I have, I have a question. How do, how do these diverse experiences create harmony in life and in leadership? How does it influence everything you do? Well, that, that, that's uh, that, that's a good question. Maybe you can add on that also a father, a father of two girls. Uh, wow. So, uh, yeah, so look, I mean, every every part of that background definitely plays a role in, in life. You, you have learnings and, and then also you apply things that you learn or that you experience from those different aspects into your uh, into your own life. and. Uh, it impacts your own leadership style also. So if I start by by being a father, you know, uh, definitely um, dealing with with a family, uh, the the responsibilities, uh, the, the leadership that you have to display with your family, the empathy, the um, the love, the unconditional love. So all of these, you know, impact your style and and also the way. Uh, you act and react in the world, and you add on top of that also um, being a doctor. Everything I've learned, the Hippocratic oath, the make no harm, uh, the, the the passion I have to, you know, bring innovation or also to make sure that patients get treated on time and they live longer lives. Uh, and then I combine that with me moving into pharma, where I could have even a larger footprint, a larger impact on patients worldwide. Uh, and then, of course, last but not least, the the music, which which is part of everything I do. It teaches you harmony. It teaches you, um, I don't know, I don't know how to express it, but you know, music teaches you a lot of things. Uh, it, it teaches you order. Uh, it teaches you harmony. It teaches you rhythm. Uh, it calms you down when you need to be calmed down. It hypes you up when you really need that kick and that that energy. So, uh, so yeah, I think a blend of all of that has, has really helped shape me to what I am now. 
What a great blend. I even saw in our, um, before we started the podcast, you have like a DJ equipment be behind you. I'm still learning. So what, yeah. <laughs> what, sort of, what sort of music do you play? Are you a composer? Are you, uh, you know, play some instruments? What is music for you? So um, as a kid, I started by singing. So I used to, I, I used to sing in, in choirs and concerts. Uh, and then I added on top of that, uh, playing the piano uh, or the keyboard also uh, for for several years, like eight, nine years. And then I sang in a band for a very short while. It was just uh, uh, a, a short experience that I, that I wanted to have. And um, and in terms of composing music, I, I do so, but not in a, on a professional scale, you know, just on my keyboard or using things like GarageBand or Fruity Loops. I used to like to compose some sort of tunes and, and harmonies, uh, writing songs. Uh, um, so and, and lately I wanted to really go mo more into other stuff like uh, like mixing and DJing. So so I thought, you know, why not? Uh, and, and I started learning it uh, in my free time. And, and it's actually uh, it's actually amusing. <laughs> it's beautiful to hear the journey of you starting to singing, going to the choir, then learning um, piano and then becoming a composer or trying to compose and then now mixing the love for your music just keeps continuing it evolves into a complete package of you becoming a composer a musician a singer and can we expect to see an album from you someday soon no <laughs> <laughs> all right so now just uh, i want to move forward to ask you another question like because you have been a doctor like a medical doctor like what made you choose the pharmaceutical industry and coming from the background that you are how did your family react to you like okay i want to i no longer want to be a doctor but do something else similar how did they react so so you know two things you mentioned um yeah. which are kind of myth that maybe we can bust those myths so first i'm still a doctor uh, it's All not right. like you know i kind of left that uh, profession behind and, yeah. uh, and the second is that it's not that you're switching in terms of I'm no longer a doctor I'm working in pharma no I'm a doctor in pharma so yeah the thing is I bring in the the insights the knowledge the the, the let's say the, the the physician perspective let's say and and the, the knowledge and the experience as I mentioned bringing in this this uh, let's say physician aspect in order to to really bring in the patient voice the the the, the voice of our peers and uh, other physicians across the world who are treating patients and and really having a greater impact so if i if i was if i were still just in a clinic maybe my impact would be on how many a thousand patients yeah two thousand yeah. throughout my career five thousand um However, when, when you work in, in pharma, the, the footprint and the impact that you can help do with the teams across the world is massive. We're talking about millions of patients, you know, and, and, and this, is, this is what really brings the satisfaction as I, I wanted to become a doctor to have an impact on patient lives. And now, thanks to this industry, I'm able to have that impact on a wider scale. And, and feel satisfied every day I'm back home saying that, okay, whatever activity or trial or study or, or research that we have done or education, 
we are helping tens and thousands and hundreds of thousands of patients uh, across the globe get um, better healthcare or, or, or get uh, also uh, uh, live longer and better lives. Oh, that's, a, that's an amazing perspective. Like you chose to become a doctor to help people and then you realize that I can help and impact, you know, a thousand times more if I just make this, you know, switch to a, you know, pharmaceutical professional. I just want to, you and I know what but is that you, you got do. It. You know, it's, yeah. you got it. The, the thing is that my parents didn't get it at that point. <laughs> okay. so. I, I understand, right? Because if that is exactly why I'm going forward to the next part is like, you are a doctor, you are an executive medical director. For people who don't know, what is an executive medical director? What does he do? Okay, so so before before getting to that, because uh, this was also a, a, an explanation at that time, I had to explain to my parents what an MSL is because I started my yeah. career as an MSL. But um, I, I still remember the look on my father's face, you know, uh, after I finished medical school and I was doing a residency in anesthesiology and almost two years into that residency, uh, I discovered the role of medical sciences liaison, which I still have a huge passion for this, this function and, and this role uh, 13 years later. So um, uh, I, I came, I told my dad, you know, like um, I'm thinking of moving into the pharmaceutical industry and, and becoming an MSL. Yeah. And I, I still remember him looking at me and he was, you know, he just paused there and I was like, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, what's going to happen next? And then he just looked at me and then he opened his mouth and he said, are you telling me that I paid seven years <laughs> of tuition for you to be a medical doctor and I could imagine you wearing this white coat with the stethoscope and having your clinic here close to our house. So are you telling me all of that is gone and you want to go and sell drugs? <laughs> so uh, I told him, well, the way you, you, you put it, it seems like an episode of Narcos. But no, I'm not, I'm not planning on selling drugs. And, and I tried to explain to him like um, what, what really the, the impact is in, in becoming an MSL and, and joining uh, you know, respected multinational companies and, and trying to have a greater impact uh, across the globe. And, uh, and you know, up to this day, he's still super proud and, and super happy of my decision and uh no he he's living with it so so it's fine so yeah so what is an executive medical director you know um well again it, it's it's a role in the, in the pharmaceutical industry i'm not going to go into the 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 super details but but it's actually you know handling everything which is related to medical affairs uh, uh in my Current capacity across the international markets. So whether trying to identify what are like the data generation needs and the evidence needs in, in those markets to provide faster access and also to, to be able to have that evidence for the physicians to feel comfortable in using or in, in terms of uh, uh, treating patients uh, properly, uh, medical education, um, um, uh, partnerships, uh, working closely with, uh, with societies, with uh, centers of excellence. So um, a lot of things that are related, maybe I'm, I'm unable to list everything, uh, everything now, yeah. but, but it's actually, you know, taking charge of the medical affairs 
yeah. for cardiovascular uh, currently in the international markets. Yeah, that makes sense. And now moving to the part where I want to find out a little bit more about what you're passionate about, right? So you're 13 years in the pharmaceutical field. What has been one area or one aspect that you're particularly passionate about and why? So one area that I've been particularly passionate about is um, is field medical. Um, some call it MSL or field medical excellence or field medical operations. Or, but uh, it's actually that role that I started with in, in pharma. Um, I have a lot of respect for that role, and, and I feel that there is a lot of untapped potential uh, in terms of what we can do with this role. Um, and, and I even uh, try to do a kind of a transformation for this role, and I still talk about that uh, transformation because um, there, there is a lot of potential with MSLs globally and in the different companies to really deliver impact and to really bring, you know, um, uh, value and improve patient outcomes. Uh, however, personally, I don't feel that everyone is really grabbing this potential and, and really utilizing it in the proper way uh, and, and leveraging the MSLs and developing them and, and really empowering them uh, to really reach their full, full potential uh, due to certain reasons, maybe that we will yeah. not discuss those reasons in details, but uh, <laughs> All right. but yeah, reasons that are well known, I guess. Looking at your passion for the field medical sector, what are the five key areas where you see untapped potential or opportunities for improvement? That's uh, that's a that's a very good question, uh, Daniel. And um, yeah, I think uh, the the answer I'm gonna give. Um, I'm going to generalize a bit, but this doesn't mean that, you know, not, it doesn't mean that pharma companies are not doing a good job. Uh, there are some companies that are very well advanced. There are some countries that are well advanced in the same company more than other uh, countries. But I'm just going to give a bit my, my perspective from, because I was an MSL, I managed MSL, I worked globally uh, with uh, MSLs when I headed the field medical uh, function. And, uh, and now also I'm working with MSLs. So, and what I hear also from other MSLs, uh, this, this is where I formulated this sort of uh, five areas that we need to work on. So one, we need to make the hard choices. And, and by making the hard choices, it comes yeah. uh, from in terms of resourcing, like really bringing the MSLs early into the um, uh, life cycle of uh, of the drug or the pipeline to really prepare the market, to really have those conversations, whether it was with HCPs, with payers, with societies, to, to really bring the knowledge that the technology that, that is being used and the understanding of that disease area and also the mode of action maybe of, of the different uh, uh, drugs that, uh, that are coming into the market so that, you know, the, there is a proper understanding of the unmet needs and the specific patient profile so that, you know, um, everything will be ready when the, when the drug is launched. So that's, that's one area, like really making that decision on, on, on investing early on in, in this role uh, uh, of the MSL. Uh, the second one is, um, how do we view the engagement through a new lens? We often see that, you know, you create a, a, a brand strategy and then you go into a medical strategy and then you go into a field medical strategy. And, and by the way, I hate that because there should be only one strategy and, and then you, you get tactics. 
but but anyway, we're, we're not going to debate that. We leave it to another podcast. But um, how can you really create a journey where instead of, okay, strategy, tactics, engagement, and then black hole, how can we have the patient in the center and have really the engagement as a continuous journey, starting with what is the impact that you want to create or the patient outcome? Then the strategy comes in, the tactics, the engagements, and then you check your impact, you evaluate and potentially course correct, and then you go through that cycle again. So this is another area that I still feel yeah. it's, a, it's a need that has still not been very well, let's say, um, established in terms of our engagement. Incorporating tech and AI, we're losing a lot of insights, of information, and, and proper ways of engaging yeah. with customers uh, when it comes to improperly uh, incorporating tech and AI into the, the work and empowering our MSLs with the proper uh, tools uh, and engagement, like, for example, proper tools to identify experts, proper tools to really um, engage with experts remotely or to gather the insights appropriately and share them internally and act on them. So there's a lot of potential to make their lives easier and, and really empower them that we're still not incorporating properly. Uh, the fourth point is developing, upskilling, and retaining talent. And, and this is something I, I really love to talk about because a lot of times people think that, oh, MSL is an entry-level role. This, this uh, concept that we have placed in the minds of people that an MSL is just an entry-level role and they need to aim higher on what they need to achieve next, this is very disturbing. Because in my opinion and to this date, the MSL is the most important job in this company because it's the eyes, the ears of the company. They are with the customers. They are listening to the customers. They are seeing the customers and they really bring value, valuable insights and they disseminate also valuable information. So what more do you need in order to be a successful company? Yeah. And the fifth and the last one is, um, and I, I uh, kind of mentioned it previously very quickly, but how do we track the progress and measure impact of MSLs? And, and this is very also sensitive for me because I still see us looking at number of events, number of visits, number of interactions, number of phone calls, number of emails. And this is so frustrating because quality is not quantity. And we should move away from just looking at these quantitative measures of operations to really value our MSNs and say if they are valuable and impactful or not. We must go further and think about the impact we want them to create and are they creating that impact even if it's long term because this is the only way we really uncover the yeah. value of our MSLs. thank you for actually you know dissecting and giving key points that can be improved in the future when it comes to something that you really love now the, when it comes to medical or pharmaceutical industry and healthcare professionals the most common buzzword that i hear with all our guests and with all of the channels that we talk as omni-channel, omni-channel strategies, <laughs> omni-channel approach, omni-channel this. So you know where I'm going with this. What are the common myths that you'd like to debunk? And all of this is based on your experiences, your own you know, viewpoint, not, not on any company or any standpoint, but your own experiences. What are the, what are the common you know, myths that you'd like to debunk? Okay, the first, <laughs> the first myth, or or is that 
you don't need omnichannel to survive. Like if, if you can't really have a full-blown omnichannel strategy, it doesn't mean that you will fail miserably. Um, it's just that, um, you know, that's, that's our nature. I mean, like, uh, and, and businesses, every time there's a hype, you know, like every, every couple of years, there, there should be a new hype. So there was the hype of omnichannel, then the hype of AI, and then there, there's a hype. And then, you know, companies jump on those hypes. They start building solutions and they start selling those solutions. And then to sell those solutions, they advertise them more and more and more and more. And then everybody is talking about the same thing because, you know, it, it's sort of an advertisement yeah. so that, you know, you start buying the solution from this vendor and the other solution from the other vendor in order to um, to ride the wave and, 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 and to be, you know, trendy yeah. and in the hype. It's like, you know, I don't know, Adidas uh, uh, releasing a new uh, kind of uh, clothing line and then everybody wants to be uh, wearing that clothing line. and and I think the problem is they never ask themselves, well, do I need those clothes? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I think that's the, the problem we're falling in, uh, is that we jump on the solutions before checking if we have the needs. And if we have the means to really address those needs with, with those solutions. Um, so that's one thing. And, and one myth, for example, is that people think omnichannel is multi-channel. Mm. And, and, and this is... Uh, it's very important to kind of differentiate between these two. Multi-channel is is having, as it says, multi-channels. So so let's say I um, I sell cars. Yeah. Okay. And I have a website. I have a, a an Instagram page. Uh, I have a Facebook page. Uh, um, I send newsletters by email. Uh, I have a, I don't know, um, uh, a customer service representative in the showroom and I have several showrooms. So that's sort of multi-channels. Like if you want to think about this car or you Google this car or you drive and, and to see that car, you can see that, that information in multiple places. Yeah. Omni-channel is about how I can take you on a journey, a seamless journey throughout like throughout the different touch points that that you are embarking on with me as as a as a uh, as a company yeah how can i take you through the different touch points where you get the information that you want in the way that you want through the channel that you want at the time that you want and at the same time i'm able to gather insights from you mm. on what you're doing what you are choosing uh what is your preference uh what time do you like to receive your emails so i i get that information and then i provide so it's like a two-way thing uh to take you on on some sort of a seamless journey yeah and and this is omnichannel yeah uh and not like i mentioned first so sometimes in pharma we fall in the trap of uh oh we have our emails ready our symposia ready our digital education ready yeah you have all the channels but now how are you gonna take your customer on a seamless journey where he can access whatever he wants at the time that he wants and really identifying his need and addressing his need with the proper solution that he would like to take. Yeah. So I think this is one of the biggest myths, the omni-channel and multi-channel. Uh, I also said like, you can have an omni-channel strategy without spending millions and billions. Yeah. So there are ways of, of really doing that. 
and and omnichannel is not only about having like the the best technology it could be a blend of tech and other uh other means uh, as long as you have your customer in mind start with the customer and don't start with the solution that would be my takeaway message oh i love the ending start with the customer in mind and not the solution just jumping one step ahead because you mentioned people are like oh now there is omnichannel let's take you know the word omnichannel and talk but let's now there's ai let's talk you know about ai that's where i'm going towards as we move further into the ai era how can we maintain a human element in the healthcare professional engagement especially beyond digital interfaces look um no matter how much pressure will come in terms of okay how can we maybe save costs how can we replace some and and also to be fair it's not only about saving costs but being more efficient yeah like there are a lot of things that you can automate and there are a lot of things that ai could definitely help uh you could get um faster insights faster solutions uh you can maybe even have faster trials or or data generation just by leveraging ai and an ai helping you identify the the right sites and the right uh, profiles that you need to look at or even identification of new molecules and drugs i'm not undermining ai it's going to be amazing in it in the way it helps in healthcare my problem is that we cannot go with a one size fits all so it doesn't mean that if ai can help with everything it means that ai needs to replace the sales reps and ai needs to re- replace the msls and ai needs to be in every little thing um we need to really leverage ai where we feel that ai will provide value yeah and if i look at the field functions and mainly the msls it needs to be a blend of human expertise and ai yeah to really come to the to the perfect mixture or or combination that will be impactful and um and one thing i need to say you know and, and maybe give you some some funny examples but uh like if you think about um healthcare yeah okay healthcare is not a supermarket okay it's not uh, it's not amazon or uh, or walmart you know with my utmost respect to to all the industries out there it's not like you know you you dial a number and it tells you hi thank you for reaching the pharmaceutical line if you are a sick patient press 1 if you're feeling a bit better press 2 you know and then uh, and then you choose the drug that you want and it tells you okay when would you like this drug to be delivered and then you get another call telling you if you did well on the drug please press 1 if not so well press 2 if you died you know <laughs> stay on the line that that you're dead like i mean you know like uh, <laughs> we should be a bit realistic that when you're talking about healthcare um there, there there is a patient there needs to be empathy there needs to be emotions the, the, the families are maybe being torn apart with sicknesses with cancer with with genetic diseases it's not something that you can just replace all the touch points with uh with, with machines i get frustrated calling a bank trying to speak to somebody and sometimes i stay like 15 minutes on the line trying to speak to a representative because sometimes you need that human you need the human that understands what you want can get you to the solution without having to go through 15 minutes of a call uh, and then at the end it tells you i did not get what you want uh, to go back to the main menu press 0 
So it's it's really frustrating, and uh, and and this is why um, I, I always say that let's find the right mix and let's empower our people with AI, yeah. rather than having AI replacing our people. Lovely. I just love the example that you gave. It just took me immediately to me making a phone call to the bank and me imagining the situation, someone actually calling and, you know, hey, I have this disease, press one. So it's very, very relatable. And I also get the point that AI is by itself can help us, but we need the human touch to enhance the AI and its outcome. So beautifully explained. Now, what strategies do you believe are the most effective in bridging the gap between pharmaceutical industry and customer engagement? Listening. This is everything I'm going to... Uh, whoever's watching that podcast and, and he's watching this guy that they've met for the first time and uh, uh, this medical director who's <laughs> talking and talking and talking, if you just want to go back with one word uh, that that might have an impact on, on, on your future business is listen. Just listen. Don't assume. We, some, we, we often assume that we know what the customers want. We assume that, you know, like, oh, I'm, I'm perfectly sure that this doctor who's sitting in his clinic, seeing 20 patients a day, barely has 10, 15 minutes per patient, his phone doesn't stop ringing. His family is asking if he's coming back home early for dinner. His secretary keeps asking him if he can take on more patients who are just walking in. The hospital is calling him for an emergency that just happened. And we expect that we will just walk in <laughs> with our digital stuff and beautiful iPad and take him on a journey and I don't know, and, and, and show him a hologram of a patient and, and walk him through it and then display lights on the, on the ceiling and, and take him through this journey of engagement and, and that he will just leave everything and just listen to us and, 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 and go with us on that journey. <laughs> like, I mean, seriously, you need to know your customer, live with your customer, breathe, eat with your customer to really understand what needs do they have and how you can address those needs. This hologram might be perfect, but is it the right time? Is it the right customer? Is it the, the, the right space that you're using that? Or is there maybe something else that you could do to really support your customers in making their decisions and improving patient outcomes? So that, this is what Beautiful, I Beautiful, Carlos. Like when I started this whole podcast today, I explained how good a storyteller and a musician you are the last two parts when you were explaining you literally took me to that place the passion with which you spoke and the examples that you gave actually so relatable and it immediately understands why you do what you do and if you weren't doing this you wouldn't be so passionate about this so i really appreciate the storytelling your experience and your insights with this we're almost coming close to the end of our podcast on behalf of Giosk and myself, I would like to thank you for being one of our special guests. And all I want to say is keep this passion, 
the next time we meet you we want to you know we want to see your own music album and probably you know we even have an intro pressing welcome to digital customer experience podcast and your music running in the background it was such a pleasure to have you in our podcast carlos thank you so much same here thank you so much daniel and i look forward to meeting you again hopefully soon lovely and it was for all our viewers if you enjoyed this episode don't forget to like share and subscribe for more in-depth discussions on the digital customer experience drop us a comment below with your thoughts or any questions that you might have for carlos or our future guests until next time stay curious keep innovating this is daniel paul from geosk